how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to Creative Principles. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. In this podcast interview series, I'll be speaking with writers, directors, actors, musicians, chefs, and various other types of creatives as we bridge the gap between creativity and productivity. Here we'll be discussing the habits, routines, and lessons that help promote a successful creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. Elaine Goldsmith Thomas forged her own path to become an agent, a screenwriter, and a producer. With role models like Sue Mangers and Tony Howard, she battled to become an agent while most women were forced into the role of secretary. Soon she helped represent Julia Roberts, Andy McDowell, Susan Sarandon, Madonna, and Jennifer Lopez, among others. For these female stars, it was equally as important as saying yes to films as saying no to films. Then she produced films like Made in Manhattan, Most of Mona Lisa Smile, and Perfect Stranger. The latest film from the duo is called Hustlers. Jennifer Lopez plays Ramona alongside Julie Stiles and Constance Wu. Inspired by the viral New York Magazine article, Hustler follows a crew of savvy former strip club employees who band together to turn the tables on Wall Street clients. In this interview, Elaine discussed her producing partnerships with Jennifer Lopez and Holly Berry, what she looks for in a project, why people need to reinvent themselves, how the marketplace is looking for events as movies, and why she doesn't see Hollywood as male or female, but story-driven. My career wasn't planned, it just happened. I think that, you know, that's, that's, my, that's my motto. I, I, I worked at the William Morris Agency um, as soon as I graduated college, uh, and I, I worked my way up, and this was the 80s, I'm sad to say, and I worked my way up uh, at a time where being a female at the William Morris Agency was not, was not a, 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 you know, a, there were not a lot of us, and when there were, we were secretaries, but I didn't want to be a secretary. So I um, sort of forged my own path, figured out a way to become an agent um, without being marginalized or um, uh, degraded as much as... Uh, you could avoid those pitfalls in those days, and became an agent um, and really wanted to prove myself. It was not easy to get promoted at the William Morris Agency in the 80s to an agent, and I was driven. I, it was a strategy game. I kept seeing the way to trying to figure out how to become an agent. And then when I did, I had the good fortune to leverage off of other women who really helped me, um, women like Sue Mangers, um, or Tony Howard, who's still an agent, or a woman named J.J. Harris, who died way too young. And because of those really important women, I was able to leverage off of their power and springboard. Um, and, and I came on the scene pretty, pretty hard because I wanted to prove that I could do it. And um, I was an agent, I, 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 you know, in the late 80s. And um, all through the 90s, I went to ICM with my partner, Risa Shapiro, 
followed uh, Tony Howard there, and um, we represented Julia Roberts and Andy McDowell and Susan Sarandon and and uh, Madonna and Jennifer Lopez, and it was um, it was it was um, an amazing experience. It wasn't only the movies that that we said yes to. It was oddly and equally as important, especially when it was with Julia, the movies we said no to. And so I felt like I went to college in the 90s all over again for the female audience. I understood it. You know, I'm from the Valley. I used to be embarrassed about that. Like, I grew up so deeply in the Valley that I just wanted to live closer to Ventura Boulevard. My aspirations were limited, you know. The idea of, of, of going over the hill was just, was like, you know, Oz. So I, uh, it wasn't until later that I realized that the Valley informed my strength. I understood middle America because that's what the Valley was when I grew up. And, you know, give me a mall and I'm happy. And uh, I, I understood it. It informed my instinct and I learned to trust it. And then in 2000, uh, Joe Roth offered me an opportunity to become a partner at Revolution Studios and run it in New York. And I sort of did the female movies there, 13 Going on 30, Made in Manhattan, uh, Mona Lisa's Smile, Perfect Stranger. I, you know, all of those movies that we did in New York uh, out of Revolution. And then that sort of mutated when that ended into becoming a producer. And I reconnected with Jennifer about seven years ago, and um, we decided to become producing partners. Tell me a little bit about that. So you've worked with uh, Holly Berry and Jennifer Lopez on several different occasions. Let's, let's talk more about um, Jennifer Lopez. What's it like to work with someone for a period of time like that? And I, I assume you know kind of what she's looking for, but I imagine she also wants to grow as an actress over time. What's it like as you're looking for projects together? You know, Jennifer's an amazing partner because she empowers you and embraces you for your strengths. And Hallie is too. I love, I still work with Hallie. Um, I, I love working with um, strong, smart women. And Jennifer, you know, when you think of the movies she's done that have, over a period of time, how she has sustained it and reinvented, um, it's a staggering. You know, she made Manhattan, I don't know, it was a couple hundred million dollars in 2001, wedding planner, uh, monster-in-law. She understood what those movies needed to be, but she also had a pedigree of out-of-sight that um, and Selena, and you know, um, uh, 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 U-turn. That also informed how deeply talented she is. So when we hooked up again, I don't know, like I'd say seven years ago. You know, I, we were talking, and she was just starting Idol. Um, and I was saying to her, because I didn't know what I wanted to do. I think every 10 years, people need to reinvent. They need to figure out who they are. And I was at this place where I, I just didn't know. Did I want to be a manager? And I really didn't. I thought I'd try it, but it was, I'd, like, been there, done that. And I, I, I really felt like I wanted to um, 
go back to architect, being an architect, which is what an agent is, a great agent is a great architect, but understanding the materials you have in front of you and having Jennifer, I knew, it's funny, I said to, once something, within a week I said to Jennifer, we should do something that's like a fatal attraction, but not for a lot of money. Like, uh, I had just met with Jason Blum, and I thought if we could do a horror film that's like, uh, that's like Fatal Attraction, and he gave me Boy Next Door, which needed some work, but it had the um, ingredients and the architecture to be exactly what her audience wanted to see at the time, and I think we made it for $5 million. Um, and at the same time, I said to Hallie, you know, we should do like a kidnapping movie. It was bizarre because then we got kidnapped, this movie, at the same time that we made for, I think, I want to say $10 million. So in both of those instances, it was a situation where um, there was providence that came in, but it was also understanding what the marketplace wanted. And now in this marketplace, you know, when we made when we made second act, that was really it was it was it was it was kind of my story and Jennifer's story. It was about reinventing and not being afraid to reinvent and not not being limited by other people's expectations of what you should be doing or what you shouldn't be doing. And um, you know, it, there wasn't an obvious hook, but we brought it to Adam Fogelson and and Jennifer and I pitched it to him. We sat in the room, and we pitched every beat of that story, and we said we want to talk to people and tell them not to give up. We want to talk to people and say, don't limit yourself. And Jennifer sat beside me in that room, and because of that, he greenlit it without, without a script, without a word written. And, you know, that became sort of our motto, and... and it's just sort of understanding the marketplace. And the marketplace now for films is that there have to be events. They have to be events. You have to eventize these things, whether they're Marvel or they're, you know, a thriller, a horror movie. You have to understand the audience you're going for and eventize them. We did good with Second Act, but that was hard because it wasn't really an event. But when we brought Adam Hustlers... I think he immediately it was it was an interesting um it was an interesting journey because we had found the script of Hustlers and it was at Annapurna this other studio and they were having a hard time reckoning whether or not to greenlight it and so and Jennifer was overbooked she had Vegas she had World of Dance she had tours so she got cold feet and she pulled out and Loreen came back to us and said, please, you guys, we'll do it whenever you, you're available. So we thought about it, and we looked at it again, and we realized how great it was and how important it was for her. So we said, okay. And at that point, Annapurna had second thoughts. So we had a minute to set this thing up. And we went around town, and here's what was interesting. Everybody was interested in this movie. As long as we made the guys that the girls, you know, this is based on a, a, a true story about these, these, these uh, strippers who, who, you know, the slippery slope of the American dream, who, 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 who get affected by what happens in Wall Street and take matters into their own hands 
and begin um, hustling the, the, the hustlers and drugging them. So many of the men in town who we pitched to said, look, we love it. Just make sure that the people they drug are really bad. Make sure the guys are like rapists or, you know, thieves or they're really bad. And we said, well, but that's not the story. <laughs> this is based on an actual story, and, and it's based on what happens when you get a little taste of success and the slippery slope of it. It's an amorality tale, and a lot of people were afraid. And again, Fogelson, Adam Fogelson said okay, and he let us do what we wanted to do with it, which is tell the true story of these women who at first you're rooting for, and then you see, uh-oh, they've gone a little too far. It's sort of Wolf of Wall Street for women. And it was an interesting thing to pitch to a lot of men. Do you see this as a change? You know, there's been a lot of, like, female-led reboots, but this is different. It's more of an original story. Do you kind of see that as a little bit maybe more powerful, or do you kind of see it in the same realm as um, giving more of a female voice to Hollywood films? I see it, I don't see Hollywood as male or female. I see Hollywood as great stories, fresh stories. And I think that this is about a group of women who took their own back. This is the Wolf of Wall Street for women. And I don't think it could have been made any other time but now. And I think it's the culmination of, of what's going on because these women are both good and bad. And I think you root for them, and then you're shocked by them, very much like you would be in Wolf of Wall Street. I think that the response, which has been rather astounding, you know, we've done very little television, and it came on tracking like a hurricane, is there's a power to this. We're not certainly suggesting, hey, go do this. We're saying here's a story, here's a slice of life that happens to be about a bunch of women who were degraded, I mean, men threw money at them, marginalized, and then got a taste of too much power. It's the slippery slope of the American dream. And, it's, and, and it, it, you know, I give um, Adam Bogelson a lot of credit because it's not an obvious sell. Now everybody's going, fuck, why didn't we make this movie? It was scary. You know, and, and he had us come in to his company, to STX, and re-pitch it to the women in the room because some of the women in the room were afraid. So that's what was interesting about this. I mean, now, in the past week since, you know, it came on tracking truly, like, like, like amazing, crazy. But, uh, uh, you know, now everybody in town's going, God, did I see that move? What, you know, they, they, they simply just don't remember. But I do. Thank you for tuning into this show. If this is your first time listening, please log on to iTunes or SoundCloud and give us a rating. Providing a rating or sharing content is one of the best ways to help the series grow. Make sure to also follow or like us on your favorite platforms like Instagram, Facebook, or the new YouTube series we've started. And check for daily updates over at creativeprinciples.live.